With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Pour one more beer for me. Exile needs quality. So savagely. Best beer in all the land. Brewed with a loving hand. From bottle, keg, or can. Exile Brewing. E-X-I-L-E. For me. E-X-I-L-E. Let's drink. Crack open a Ruthie today. Enjoy your HN Instant Reaction Podcast coming to you from the Exile Brewing Company Studios. Following Iowa's loss at Michigan State by the score of 17 to 10. So this is not necessarily an instant reaction, but it kind of is an instant delayed reaction. Um, I'm recording this at around 10.30 on Saturday night, 10.30 p.m. Uh, We left, uh, my family and I left Estes Park, Colorado this morning around 9 a.m. Central Time. Got home around 9 p.m. Central Time. I listened to the game, which I'll talk about that more later. And then right when I got home, I sat down and I watched the game. And uh, thankfully, you know, given that you can fast forward on DirecTV, the 30-second fast forward button, was able to watch every play of the game with the exception of the first, like, six minutes of the game that uh, I had it set up to record on Fox. But, of course, the stupid baseball game went long, which, come on, Fox, don't be programming baseball games in front of football games next year. No more of that. Anyway, so... These are my thoughts instantly after watching the game, but having listened to the game as it took place. So, sorry about the uh, convoluted explanation there. Um, general thoughts before I start diving in. I haven't even looked at the stat sheet at all. I wasn't on Twitter during, uh, really, or after the game, with the exception of briefly at halftime when we stopped to fill up the car with gas. So, um, and again, I'll have more on my thoughts on listening to a game for the first time in a long time later on this in this little installment but generally just just from what i watched in going through the replays um and maybe my impressions are altered because i already knew the outcome but i just see a team and i've heard kirk ferentz say this several times in the last few weeks uh, at his press conferences saying we have to just get better at a faster rate. We have to get better quicker. Um, I'm paraphrasing him, but that's really been the genesis of some of the comments that he's made more than one one occasion. So obviously this is a theme of what he's seen in practice. I, I think it's just a team that probably is looking inconsistent in practice. That there are signs that they're getting it, and then there are times that they're not. First and foremost to me is... This offense is not going to go anywhere this year until um, Iowa consistently makes the makeables in the passing game. And Nate Stanley was under duress most of this game. Iowa's offensive line, this was not a good game. Now, I will say 
that Michigan State threw the kitchen sink at him. I think Michigan State blitzed on a higher percentage of snaps than Penn State did the week before. And this will sound like a broken record, but you've heard me say this year after year, that if Iowa, if I was a defensive coordinator going up against Iowa, I would blitz the heck out of them until they beat me deep multiple times, until they hurt my aggressiveness multiple times for multiple scores. Not just a big play, but multiple scores. And Michigan State was incredibly uh, aggressive. Their linebacker, 35, I mean, he was in Iowa's backfield as much as Akram Wadley was. Iowa did not do a great job of counting up blockers. Now, again, they were under uh, a lot of duress there. But just too many free rushers. Nate Stanley's footwork was definitely affected from what I saw. And, and you know, I don't know what any of you have said. I haven't I haven't read any of the tweets at me. I haven't read any tweets from writers during the game other than briefly again at halftime. So I don't know what the, the general consensus opinion is out there. So, and I kind of like that actually for this. I, I don't have any taint, if you will, or, or not that other people's opinions aren't good or worthy. I just, I, what I'm saying isn't affected by what you think, by what anybody else thinks, just by what I've seen, because I haven't seen what anybody else has written. I thought Nate Stanley was actually okay. Um, there were some times where he impressed me. I mean, that throw that he had to Nick, Eas- Nick Easley, beating a double team or what turned into a double team, two players behind him, trailing him, and Stanley threw that right into the bucket. Just an incredible throw there. And I saw multiple times where, boy, I can just see when Stanley gets more experience. Remember, this is his fifth start his fifth you know his fifth real game if you will of his career he played a few times last year but it wasn't much his second road start this is the largest crowd that he's you know played on the played against on the road and and you know he was inconsistent but there were times where i'm sitting there going man when this guy gets consistent and he gets comfortable and he sees these bullets fly a few more times and he gets a few more of those reps under his belt and in his mental data bank I think he's going to be a really good quarterback. I, I'm still very high on him. Yeah, he was 16-31, 197 yards, sacked three times, didn't throw a touchdown in this game for the first time uh, this season. But I was there were times I was impressed, but then there were other times where, you know, late in the game, um, he threw an out route to, to Easley. I think it was Iowa's second-to-last drive. Threw an out route to Easley on third down, and he and he didn't look at anybody else, and you know he didn't see a receiver break free across the middle that would have been an easier throw for a first down because he was looking at Easley the whole way. Easley was his primary, but I I can't blame him because Stanley was under such pressure most of this game, even when he wasn't. It looks it looked at times like he felt like he was maybe feeling some phantom pressure, and that's really the first time this year that I've seen him react that way. But it wasn't egregious, and it wasn't every time. I mean, there were some times where he was cool and stepped up in the pocket and stood up and took some hits, but delivered some throws. wasn't a great game for him, but it wasn't a horrible game for him, in my opinion. Um, I, I think he's got a very, very bright future. And, you know, for a true sophomore making just his fifth career start, it wasn't bad. 
yeah, there's some throws that he'd like to have back. Uh, the 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 first play I believe after um, Iowa ran the fake punt, which I'll talk about that next, and converted it. It was a play action to Wadley, and it was a pop play to where you had a slot receiver doing running a post route real quick, and Stanley was just too late getting the ball to Vandenberg. I mean, if he would have instantly turned after that play fake and thrown it on a line, the safety from the far side was still not there. He had Vandenberg on a perfect post. Vandenberg had inside position, and it would have been a relatively easy throw, actually. But it would just took too long. He took too long to set up after the play fake. And that particular play has to happen more quickly. And that's, I think, the kind of thing Kirk Ferentz is talking about. We just have to get better quicker. Those little things that only experience can teach you and that Stanley doesn't have a lot of, that Iowa's wide receivers in general don't have a lot of, that Fant and Hawkinson don't have a lot of. I mean... As I listened to this game and then as, as I watched it, you know, each play when I got home, I just kept reminding myself, more so when I was listening to it, but it was confirmed after I watched it, I was reminding myself that this is a team before the season. A lot of us had concerns about the offense, about the youth at quarterback, about the, the relative inexperience amongst the pass catchers. And this just seemed like a game that those concerns came home to roost. By and large, Michigan State was very aggressive because they were going to run and to and blitz and take away Iowa's running game, which they did, and going to force you know an inexperienced passing game to beat them. And it and it you know it didn't per se, but I mean Iowa had its chances. I mean you you get a turnover, you get a turnover down you know a, a couple of plays later after the the pop pass that that Stanley threw out of the back of the end zone that I've already broken down couple of plays later you have Stanley with that weird he throws it and he loses the ball there's three points right there that are taken right off the board and then there's another possession later on where Iowa was moving and I think it was the subsequent possession where Brandon Smith fumbled I mean those those types of things will kill you on the road in, in some ways as I was listening to it I was thinking back to um, Iowa's game 2008 against Illinois where they had uh, you know, three or four trips to the red zone in the first half and came away with three points. And you lose those games. And Stanley had a pick, had a, um, a fumble six late in that game. And, um, and Illinois wound up winning by a field goal. It was a close game. And, and I kept thinking about that game and how, you know, just listening to this, this one reminded me. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, Smith's fumble occurred on the Michigan State 30. So, I mean, Iowa wasn't in the red zone there. It wasn't like the the Stanley fumble down at the 7. But still, that's back-to-back possessions where Iowa turned the ball over when they were within scoring range. I mean, right there where Smith was, I think it was first or second down. I can't recall. Uh, But it was either first or second. And they're at the 30 of Michigan State. I mean, you're within field goal range right there. And the time before, they at least get, you know, they at least get six there, or at least get three there. So you're talking about a totally different game if Iowa doesn't have those turnovers. I mean, that's football, obviously, but it, it wasn't as if Iowa didn't have its chances. And that fake punt, that was a very unique fake punt. Kirk Ferentz, I heard him say after the game that they, you know, had that one in their pocket the last couple of weeks. 
and you know he really would have liked to have seen them score a touchdown on that and I'm not sure that if Rashtetter's throw would have been you know on the money and hit Epines in stride if they would have scored a touchdown but boy that was a really unique fake field goal if I said fake pun I apologize I'm a little punch drunk on a 12-hour drive here um, and I slept horribly in the mountains in Estes Park the freaking that that Thin air was just waking me up all the time with short breaths. But anyway, um, I don't recall seeing a fake punt run like that. And it was interesting listening to uh, Dolphin Podolak right before they announced it. I was I was thinking this might not be a bad time for a fake. Anyway, I mean they they got the fake, but uh, they wound up not getting any points in it. Speaking of other special teams, um, I'm not in practice. Neither are you. So I'm not going to come out right and say that Iowa needs to make a change at punter. But man, if it's even remotely close between Ryan Gersandi, the freshman, and Colton Rastetter, I mean, I mean, punting near the end of the first half, I mean, it's, it's amazing that Iowa's defense held up the way that it was because D'Antonio was, you know, doing what, Ferentz has done in the past when punting is beautiful punting is winning you know they they weren't being aggressive they were on the you know the Iowa side of the 50 and they kept punting it in and kept pinning Iowa back and waiting for Iowa to make a mistake and break and and Rastetter you know had a couple of really bad punts Michigan State wound up getting a field goal out of it and that wound up being a big difference in the game. I mean, Michigan State didn't uh, score any points in the second half, and they got three points there just from a tra- just from just from trading punts and gaining field position. Rastetter, that was that was not not good, and got you know Gersandi was warming up on the sideline right before halftime. They never did bring him in. Next week might be a week that you see it at home. Heartland Flagpoles and Flags has flags of various shapes and sizes, banners, windsocks, and more of nearly every team and every sport. That's college, NFL, MLB, NBA, and hockey. If you feel like maybe you're the only Seattle Seahawks fan in your neighborhood, don't worry. They have flags for you as well. Heartland Flags has more than 100 Iowa Hawkeye items from flags to tiki totems, metal signs, luggage tags, and so much more. Let your fandom fly when you shop at Heartland Flags. Free shipping. Seriously, when you shop online, we're talking about free shipping. Your orders will ship for free from Heartland Flags. Heartlandflags.com is the website. Go check it out. Dace, he's a huge Michigan fan. He's a Detroit Lions fan. Rob Howe is a New York Mets fan. I went to their website. Heartlandflags.com has it for you. Again, free shipping on all orders online. Follow them on Twitter at Heartlandflags. And once again, visit them online at Heartlandflags.com. I'm going to need to run more than just Akram Lodley. I mean, Ivory Kelly Martin ran the ball one time. Akram had 17 runs. Just just some type of change, just some type of change of pace. But, you know, I, I don't know if there was room for anybody to, to make plays in this game because Michigan State was just very, very aggressive. You know, they were just flying to the motion of Iowa's offensive line every single time because Iowa just couldn't make them pay in the passing game. And I was, you know, I will say this too. I think Brian Ferentz, um, you know, last week, the first and second quarter, seemed like Iowa just kind of stayed with what it wanted to do as opposed to what was available. 
this week, you know, listening to it and then watching it, I felt like Iowa maybe, you know, changed things up a little bit earlier this week than last week. And I'm sure that some of you are just going to roll your eyes at this. And, and, and again, I've, I've been incredibly critical of Kirk Ferentz and Iowa's offensive coordinators, you know, on this podcast in recent years um, to, to the effect one year, you know, we got our press pass taken away for a while. But, you know, that's over and done with and everything's been resolved there. But so I'm not afraid to be critical. You, you got to execute. I mean, there were a number of missed passes. Couple more overthrows from Stanley in this game. He's now that's that's an issue. There were makeable plays out there to be made that Iowa just didn't make. They didn't execute and make the makeables. Far too often, combined with the turnovers where and when they occurred on the road to win. The defense holds Michigan State to 17 points. And you're on the road. That should be a win. But the offense couldn't get out of its own way. Total plays in this game. I'm seeing these things for the first time. Iowa with 57. That's a week after running, what, 45 against Penn State? Can't have that. I mean, Michigan State only had 300 yards of offense on the day. 4.4 yards per play. Iowa, 4.1 yards per play. Iowa with just 11 first downs. 19 net yards rushing for Iowa. Iowa's running game, it's it's concern time. Now, they're they're being they are up against aggressive eight man fronts each week for the last three of the last four weeks. Iowa State, Penn State, Michigan State, each of those games, the defense being more and more aggressive. Michigan State's defense today was just insane aggressive, and Iowa just couldn't make them pay, which is frustrating. I think that's going to continue. I think that's going to continue. I mean, Illinois has no other hope next week but to do that. No other hope. They're horrible. Illinois is a horrible team. One of the five worst Power Five teams in the country. They're bad. And... I expect a ugly game next week. I, I just I think Iowa is going to be emotionally spent. I think they'll get it done. It'll probably be a, a, a double-digit point spread, and I don't know that I will roll too many points on Iowa for that one. Just talking out of my head here. That's just going to be a, a win the game and move on and get to the dang bye week at 4-2. and two. Just not making the makeable plays that were there. And, you know, there, there were some times on, I was on the, I'm not going to criticize defense too much. There were a couple of plays where you saw Epinesa have a struggle and contain, but then there were a few plays that I saw him actually, you know, run up the field, keep as a, keep the outside shoulder technique on containment and, and turn the quarterback back inside when he could have chased him. But he turned him back inside to let the Iowa teammates make a, a tackle. That's what Iowa teaches. So seeing him learn the fly and it's great to see. He's going to be a really good player, obviously. Um, Hooker was, I, man, that guy is a good-looking ball player. He's got a really bright future. Uh, I don't think he's going to give that position up. It's crazy that Brandon Snyder was actually dressed out for this one, didn't play, but he had his helmet. Um, crazy to think that he could possibly come back this year after you know tearing the ACL the way that he did. But a game like this, just the little things, all that lost yardage and punting, 
that comes to rear its ugly head. Obviously not a little thing. Uh, with the turnovers, those were not little. Um, Iowa was 4 of 14 on third down. Michigan State just 5 of 14 on third down. Michigan State had been incredibly efficient on third down coming into this game. So Iowa's defense once again put forth a winning performance. You hold Michigan State, whose offense was... They've got a pretty high-powered offense, actually. Uh, and Iowa basically negated their running game. I mean, Michigan State's um, quarterback, uh, Lewerke, he was their leading rusher with 47 yards. I think he might be their leading, or 42 net yards. I think he's their leading rusher on the season. LJ Scott with just 28 yards. I mean, that's that's getting it done. Unfortunately, Iowa offensively did not make the makeables. And the punting game also let them down. Josie Jewell with another Herculean effort, 16 tackles, three for loss. Just what an amazing season that he's turning in right now, averaging roughly 12 tackles per game. Just a fantastic player. But it wasn't enough. Now, thoughts on the whole as Iowa sits here at 3-2, and 0-2 oh in Big Ten play. And again, I haven't I haven't read anything that any of you have said. I mean, oftentimes in life, and you've heard me say this before, things you know how you feel about something comes down to your preconceived expectations. I picked this team to be six and six before the season began. After the Penn State game, I said I felt or after the Iowa State game, and then after the Penn State game, because so I picked them to lose to Iowa State too. I felt that this team was going to perform better than what I thought they would. And I think they'll win next week and get to four and two. I think that they'll probably go three and three over their, you know, something like three and three over their final um, six games to get to seven and five, which would be better than I expected. And I would be pleased with that. Some of you won't be pleased. Some of you will say, well, seven and five is not good enough. This team had a ton of question marks before the season began on offense. And while the first few games, some of those things maybe didn't look uh, like as big of question marks as we thought, once the real schedule begins, the Big Ten schedule, starting to see those things come home to roost. You know, Stanley splitting reps in in fall camp with oh, number eight, the backup quarterback. Can't even remember his name now. Again. Forgive my scatterbrainness. I've been driving the car for 12 hours today. Um, splitting reps in, in camp, probably not a great thing. You know, needed to get more timing. Losing Ike Becker for the season, not a good thing. Uh, Sean Welsh is not a great right tackle. And then that's not his fault. He's a really good guard. He's a really good guard. Not a great right tackle. Still not a lot of cohesiveness along the offensive line. Part of me wonders, do you do you try Tristan Wirfs next week at right tackle and move Welsh back into guard and try to get Wirfs some reps under his belt and, and then really work hard on it during the bye week with him if he's, you know, as long as he's not hurt because uh, he was dinged up a little bit before the Penn State game. I don't know. I'm not in practice, I, so I don't know what his deficiencies are. I'm sure it's consistency like usually is the issue for most young players just feels like the passing offense is, is I don't want to sit here and say they're close close but man there's some makeables out there that they're just not making that that they can make 
And if they do that, if they can just make these makeables, I think I think that they could actually be something this year offensively in the passing game, which is going to open things up for the run. Because it looks like that's what's going to have to happen for Iowa's running game to get going, is the passing game is going to have to lead the way to, you know, decompress the running space to cause opponents to not be crazy brave on their aggressiveness on defense because right now there's there's just no penalties for that approach iowa is not making teams pay enough and until they can make teams pay you will continue to see eight and nine men in the box on a regular basis and you will continue to see iowa's running game struggle it's really as simple as that in my opinion uh lastly was able to listen to a radio broadcast uh, as you know, my, my sole source of relying for what was going on the, in the game for the first time since, I don't know, maybe 2000 or 2001 and was not on Twitter during the game. Now, I, I love Twitter. I enjoy Twitter during the games. It makes the games, watching the games on TV, it's like, an, it's like a companion to watching the games. So I'm not saying I don't enjoy the interactions and I don't uh, enjoy Twitter because I do. But I will tell you this, that was that was fun. It was fun to just rely solely on, on Dolph uh, and Podolak. And it just kind of took me back in time to when, you know, I was younger and all the games weren't on TV and we relied on, you know, Jim Zobel and Bob Brooks and Ron Gonder and Frosty Mitchell. Um, That was a really enjoyable experience. Even though Iowa lost, I still really, really enjoyed um, consuming the game, experiencing the game through words instead of pictures. I probably won't do that again for a good number of years because, you know, not planning on going on on vacation during the season again anytime soon. But, you know, the kids are growing up and we wanted to get out and do some things in the fall that we really haven't been able to do for, you know, my oldest daughter is going to be 15. Little Gracie is going to be 15 uh, next next month. So it was nice to get out and and enjoy the mountains in this time of year before things get too um, cold, etc. But... It would be nice to do that once a year, maybe. And I I recommend it just to experience a game that way and to not be, you know, sitting at my computer terminal or having my computer in my lap. And it was it was just an enjoyable experience, even in a loss. I I enjoyed that. So um, and thanks for the shout out, Dolph. That was pretty funny. At any rate, I've rambled long enough. I need to shower get to sleep i look like a wreck but whatever um that's that's about it thanks again to exile brewing company thank you to heartland flag poles and flags for your support and sponsorship this year visit them at heartlandflags.com cubs fans back into the playoffs again they have you covered with cubs flags and gear check out their website at heartlandflags.com dace and i will talk to you well likely when you hear it it will be monday morning we will record it late night uh, on sunday night so a new week a new slate of podcasts regularly scheduled coming your way thank you as always for listening